Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Live Your Personal Best. Today's episode, we are joined by Mallory. And it's really interesting because I found them on TikTok and they had this viral TikTok blow up that was talking all about middle school and elementary school physical education classes. And I was watching them and pretty much what they're saying is that, you know, when you're growing up and the only way that you're introduced to fitness is through these tests and having to see how many pull-ups you can do or how fast you can run this mile and, oh, you don't know how to climb up this rope? Well, we're going to test you on it anyways. And I thought that that, so- that idea was just so fascinated and untalked about because... She's an exercise physiologist. It's part of her job. You know, she knows how people's exercise patterns in their past, you know, all the way from elementary school when you were growing up can still affect you today, even if you're not thinking about it. And so I loved bringing her on for this conversation, talking all about how your past can still affect today and your relationship with exercise. So I think that you're going to get a lot of a lot out of it. You're going to really enjoy it. And before we get started, make sure that you have joined us over on Instagram. It's at liveyourpb, at liveyourpb, come say hi, come follow. That's where we hang out throughout the week. And with that, let's get started. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Hey guys, today we are joined by Mallory. Mallory is an exercise physiologist who has worked in the fitness industry for a decade now. They hold a certification from ACSM as a physiologist and a group fitness instructor, as well as a degree in exercise science. They enjoy showing people that exercise is about what it does for us internally and help them reclaim exercise as self-care. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I'd love to start off with just learning a little bit more about you. I know that, you know, a few years ago now you were actually in the Today Show with this huge like before and after weight loss, which you don't necessarily agree with anymore. So I'd love to hear your whole story with your exercise relationship, all of that. Okay. So how I got to be where I am, I, I grew up as very fat. I did not, I mean, I was involved with a ton of sports. I did, I was actually a three sport athlete for a number of years, but my body type is just big. Like I'm five foot 10 and I'm just large boned, large body. So 
around 2010, I would say 2011, I started to lose weight through any means necessary. Uh, and I saw success with it and I lost a lot of weight. We're talking like almost 200 pounds amount of weight. And it got a lot of attention as a result, both personally and then nationally. <laughs> so I ended up on the Today Show for some segment that they do for people who lose, I believe they the barriers over a hundred pounds through only diet and exercise. And that was in what, like 24? 2014, 2015 that I was on the Today Show. Very weird experience. They did pay for like lodging and travel. Uh, I actually lived in New York City for a couple of years. So it was cool to like go back and visit for a little bit. But uh, it was strange. They like put me on a bike, but I never said that I rode bikes. <laughs> it was very TV. So that was then. And at the same time, I was actually going to college to get my exercise science degree because through this weight loss journey, I really started to fall in love with all types of different fitness things. And I was like, I want to bring that to other people. I want to learn about this. And I want that to be my profession in my future. I don't think at the time it was for the right reasons necessarily, but I do think that it gives me a really cool, unique perspective. Now um, I've kind of been in all body types and all sizes at all levels of, you know, ability and post that, I would say come like when I got pregnant, because I am a mom too, kind of forced me to undo a lot of the damage that I had done with like constant dieting, constant activity, never eating enough. Um, I had to, cause there was a baby inside me. So it really pushed me to treat myself better. And then I started to kind of learn about like diet culture and all the things that go along with that. And I was like, you know what? I want to be in the fitness industry because I do love exercise, but I want it to be without all of this other junk around it. I want people to know like you can like exercise without it being for a weight loss reason. I love that. Yeah. I feel like, you know, especially being in the fitness industry and wanting to take a different approach, you know, sometimes people come to you and they're like, oh, well, what diet or like, how did you lose the 200 pounds? So I know that, you know, you could definitely like get into that very easily. Yes. But that's so interesting. You know, it, you were looking back and you're like, actually, like I started for the wrong reasons, but you found this different way to approach it. Yeah. I, it feels like an uphill battle sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think that it's ultimately kind of the future of where people are going to go. I mean, you see like with Gen Z and how their attitude changes so much about it. Like, I really do think that that is the future of the fitness industry eventually. It's just not there right now. Yeah, no, we're definitely getting closer to that. And the reason I found out about you too was on TikTok, you know, and I love that, you know, you had some viral videos and I was like, this is awesome. You know, it's not like a weight loss challenge that's going viral, but it's you calling out saying exercise can be more than just the beauty standards that are put on it. It's, I joined TikTok just like this year. I was really against it for a long time. Not as like a Oh, kids these days isn't like that app is for teens and it scares me. Um, teenagers are scary. I don't want to do that. And then my friends were like, they, I started on Instagram, but I was like, it's really hard to like build a platform here. So they were like, you really should try TikTok. Blah, blah, blah. They like really pushed me into it. 
And then it just like, from there, I was like, whoa, I didn't think that this would catch so many people, but it is. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been catching on quick. And the thing that you really opened my eyes to was you talk a lot about physical education classes and kind of the routine that we had to go through as kids and how that can be damaging and the mental health. And I didn't even realize that whole aspect. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, your past with exercise and how someone's past can affect them today still? Yeah, of course. So it was this like weird epiphany that I had one day. So I was like trying to think like, how do I, I want to ask people questions about their history. And I was thinking about mine and I was like, you know, as somebody that grew up really fat in like elementary, middle and high school, gym class was miserable. Like just never how I would approach is like, I teach group fitness classes as part of my day job. And I'm like, I can't imagine like telling people, all right, you need to do this. I'm going to assess you. I'm not really going to show you how to do it. You just need to do it because I'm telling you, you need to do it. Like, oh, that's so anxiety inducing just thinking about it. But we're doing that to kids. So I was like, man, that has to contribute to how people as adults feel who had to go through that. So I asked people and just overwhelming amounts of people came forward to say, like, I had these horrible experiences in gym. Some places even like weighed each other in front of other students or like measured their BMI and shouted out what it was in front of people. Just all of these things that would make you feel weird, but you weren't sure why it felt weird because you're like eight and you're like, oh, this, this doesn't feel comfortable, but I'm supposed to enjoy this. And then you move to adulthood and you're like, hey, you're supposed to be exercising and you need to get into fitness and you need to be taking care of your body. And you're like, but I don't know how and I don't like it. So it kind of started this ball rolling for me of like, wow, maybe people do have like a history of some type of trauma around exercise. Like however you are introduced to it can then go on to shape how you feel as an adult. So I think I started using that language around it. And that's one of my biggest TikToks is that particular concept. And it ended up moving into these worksheets that I made available for people to like go through it themselves and figure out, do I have these things and would it apply now? And should I be talking to my therapist about it? And, you know, to be totally honest, I had, I'm uh, diagnosed with an eating disorder and Like that is a huge reason too, of like, if you are coming at it, coming at exercises, that mind frame, it can be massively triggering to all of those things. So it's just like, I want people to understand like, Hey, those feelings are super valid. And there's a reason you felt so weird as a child in your PE classes, because we just didn't really know better then. And we were doing our best, I guess, like with the information that we had. And some of it is really valuable. And some of it does go on to build fun things, you know, like team sports. But in a lot of it, it wasn't. And what's funny is that was before I had even heard the maintenance phase episode that a lot of people had brought up. That's how I came to learn it is people were like, you should listen to that episode. They talk all about it on their podcast. And I was like, It was like one in the same. It just blew my mind that this was a thing. Yeah, it's crazy because so many kids, you know, they do deal with eating disorders and issues around exercise. And so you have this thing that people are struggling with and then you're like, we're going to grade you on it and we're going to evaluate on it. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's so stressful. And especially if you're not someone who's already active, like if you weren't doing sports or that wasn't really a thing you did as a kid. 
uh, how, how am I supposed to do this? And I'm supposed to do it for a grade. Yeah. Yeah. No, watching those videos, it kind of brought me back because I was thinking about my own experience in physical education classes. And I remember I'd always be the slowest runner. And so it came to a point, I think it was like fifth grade that I actually like told my teachers, I was like, oh, I can't run. You know, I like have this injury that just wasn't even real. And I told my parents that I had this injury. And from fifth grade on, like until my senior year, I did not run once. And I had this whole story in my head about like, you know, I wasn't a runner. And now looking back, I'm like, I think that just stemmed because I was a slowest and no one told me one it's okay to be slow no one even told me how to improve right you just get test after test and I wasn't actually learning anything and so looking back it's like this huge aha moment of like that's my first experience with exercise right and running is a huge one too because you have to run that mile so then if you don't know how to do it you're being timed you're being graded you're being compared to your peers you're going to grow up being like running is the worst I'm never doing that again Yeah. No. So if that's where people start off, you know, and they want to get back into exercise and stuff again, what does a healthy relationship with exercise look like versus an unhealthy relationship? I think a couple of checkboxes have to be met with that. And I think it's one, you recognize that exercise is unique to you and that exercise, that word, I think makes people like tense up. They're like, Oh, I don't like exercise. And I'm like, but exercise can be a lot of things. Like It can be functional. It can be gentle. It can be low impact. It can be the intense things that you want, but it's exploring what it is that you actually like. I know I've talked about also finding play in your exercise because play is one of the first things that we are introduced to is physical activity. It's called play. It's not called exercise when you're a kid. So it's like, you can go back to that for yourself too. Like if you really love jump rope as a kid, have you tried it as an adult? It's a really hard workout and you might really like it, but tap into some of that inner child too. So finding that connection, right? Like what you actually like doing versus what you feel like you should be doing can be a big, like good reframe in your head. And then also recognizing like how often you actually can do it because we hear that there's these standards that you're supposed to hit for kind of like optimal fitness and they're, they're fine. I'm not against them. And I tell people what they are, but if that's not going to fit your current lifestyle, because we also all have jobs, we're all working, we're all busy. You know, if you add other layers to that, I understand that that can be a massive demotivator. So what I tell people is, okay, but something's going to be better than nothing. So if you want to just shoot for something that's okay. It's okay if your something is just a couple of walk breaks during your work week, because you're at least moving your body around. And those go on to do really positive things for yourself. So you've got your, what do I like? You've got your, how often can I actually achieve these things? And your goal is, what is your goal? Is your goal to just move around? Is your goal to get better at something? Like exploring what that means for you I think I'm asking people to take exercise a little deeper for themselves. Um, But I think what that does is it builds a much stronger future relationship with it, where when you understand what you like and how often you can actually do it, when you hit barriers, because everyone hits them, they are inevitable. You can get through them without these massive setbacks that I will see in people who come to me who said, I have, I got an injury eight months ago and I've never been able to exercise since then. And it's because it's that all or nothing mindset of, well, I used to do this and I should be able to do this. Maybe you can't. And that has to be okay. 
So when you start reframing of what do I like, how often can I actually do it? It makes it much easier to swallow those kind of down swings. And then you have your upswings eventually, because that's just how life is. And I have found that it's easier for people to get back on that horse when they know what they like, how often they can actually do it, and that they're okay with scaling back and scaling up as they need to. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And especially what you said too, with like, you know, the recommended amount of workout and time and all of that, you know, I feel like so much, we like try to have that to be like the golden standard, but just kind of like anything in our life, like even like sleep, right. We're told you should get eight hours of sleep a night. And, you know, I'm not going to say like, oh, I can only get five tonight. So like, screw it. Right. You're still going to do as much as you can within your schedule. Right. It's exactly, it's a great, like, comparison of like, it's okay if you can't get, it can sound really overwhelming for me to tell people you need 150 minutes of some type of moderate activity per week. How the heck, like, even if I break it down for you, it still feels overwhelming. But if you say, well, let's just try to shoot for like two walks this week. Okay. That's swallowable. That's digestible. And it's something. Yeah. So do you work with a lot of people, you know, when they're in the beginning of their journey, just trying to begin working out? Or is it more, you know, these people are like, I've been pushing myself, like no pain, no gain, like going too hard and trying to like (laughs) reframe from that. It's a big range that I get actually. So for my day job, I work with seniors actually, and adults with disabilities and they come with a big range too. So you have people that come to me who are like, I'm 78. I was a dancer for 40 years and I just want to dance again. How do I get back to it? So they're, they're very aware of their body and what they can do. But then you have people who say, you know, I got diagnosed with cancer 20 years ago and I've never been able to come back since then. Can you help me with that? And it's same for the younger clients too. Cause they take like online clients. You get people who are like, I've never really tried. Um, and I don't even know where to start. And then I've had athletes come to me who say, I'm so sick and tired of this. Like, I need some reprieve. I need to like reconnect with my body in a way that is different. Can you help me with that? So really get a big range of people from the absolute masters of exercise in their body to total novices. Yeah. So that's funny. I used to be a former athlete too. I even went to college for it and I kind of fall into that bucket. You know, I thought of myself as this expert, but even as this expert had been working out a great schedule for years, I still hit a period of time where I was like, this isn't working anymore. Like, so how do I like pivot from there? Yeah. It's, and I think with athletes too, they present this unique perspective of like, they were training for a specific goal and they were usually training in really like, I don't want to say narrow ways because you'd have to hit different things for depending on whatever it is you're doing for your sport, but they're almost always training with that sport in mind. So if you take that factor away, it almost becomes like, what do I do now? (laughs) How do I approach this? And what do I do? So it's like athletes present in their own unique struggle and way when they come to me. Yeah. And so I know that you you touched on a little bit earlier, but this idea of gentle movement and moderate movement, can you talk a little bit about how that could fit into someone's life? Like, is that all that they could do for exercise and that would still be good? Or is that like introducing them to exercise? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. So I mentioned that I work with like seniors and adults with disabilities. And that was a big wake up call for me personally, because I was like, Some of these folks only do moderate or low impact or gentle, and they've had to totally change that because our bodies just age, they wear and tear, it's normal. So for me, it gave me this really cool perspective on like, 
why can't we do that when we're 20 or 30 or 40? There's literally no reason you can't. It's just kind of the stigma that is put out of like, if you're not doing really intense exercise, it's totally not worth it. But the truth is, it is worth it. If you wanted your schedule to just be, you know, oh, I go on some walks during the week, or even I walk every day, uh, or I go on hikes on weekends, or I walk my dog. And then I just work on stretching and mobility outside of that. Uh, I do a little bit of like, like I take a class every so often. If you just kept a really moderate pace with your activity, you would still like, would you be a, you know, super agile high-end athlete? No, of course not. But would you be able to maintain your body's function? Yes. And that's also a goal with exercise of maintaining your body's function, decreasing your pain and stiffness, um, managing your mental health and sleeping better. Like all of those things that exercise does naturally, if you kept a moderate, low impact, or even gentle schedule, you would still see those benefits. It doesn't have to be like you're going hard five days a week to see them. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that this is like a new concept for me too, but you know, during COVID I was kind of introduced to, okay, like more moderate exercise. And I realized I loved doing it because I didn't wake up the morning, the next morning, like too sore to work out again. So I was actually able to make it a daily practice because beforehand I'd be like, I'm too tired from the workout before, but if it's moderate and it's gentle and it's like for less amount of time, I feel like I could do it more. Absolutely. It's much lower impact on the body. You're much less likely to endure some type of injury as a result of it. So you can sustain it for a really long period of time. And one of my big things for people is I want to make exercise sustainable for you because people tend to pick it up and drop it and pick it up and drop it. But if you know, you can scale down do things that aren't as impact high impact, you can keep doing them. Do you, if you still want to do high impact stuff every so often, I get that. And I support it too. I like it sometimes. Sometimes you do just want to like, if you're really angry or having a really stressful day, it can feel very good to go do something really intense, but it doesn't always have to be that. Yeah. Well, I've loved this whole conversation so much. Is there any one last piece of advice you'd love to leave everyone with? I think I'll lean on kind of the fact that I do work with seniors in my day to day and just remind people that like where you are now, if you are in your 20s or your 30s or however old you are, like the standard that you are holding yourself to now is going to be so different in 30 years that just you can be gentler on yourself. And I think your body will appreciate it much more when you hit your 60s and 70s if you do take time to do the restorative stuff too, the stretching, the mobility, the walking, the low impact, because our bodies do wear and tear. We cannot slow that process. So you don't need to go so hard on yourselves. Yeah. I love that. You're kind of looking at it from the lifelong perspective. It's like, you're not going to be working out like you were a teenager, but this also, you know, is going on for 30 more years. So I love that perspective. Where can people find you, follow you, all of that? So I am most active on TikTok, where my name is the jock scientist, all one word. Uh, I am active on Instagram too, but certainly TikTok is kind of the platform to find me. So Instagram or TikTok, and I would love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.